Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You are listening to the Rack Podcast, the Welsh Regional Rugby Appreciation Pod, where we try to cover all the important issues on and off the field in Welsh Regional and National Rugby. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, all of that information is at the end, so you'll just have to bear with us and get to that bit. In the meantime, enjoy this week's show. Hello and good evening to this week's Rap Podcast. And joining me as always is the happy crew. We've got Reese, Jamie, and Carwin. How are we, gents? Good, thank you. Thank you. All good, yeah. And joining us, uh, another special guest this week. Um, We're doing rather well with special guests. It must be something to do with the time of year. But um, special guest this week is Chief Executive of the Scarlet, Simon Mudrak. Good evening, Simon. Yeah, hi, guys. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Are, are you only on here because David Buttress did it last week and you're not having any of that Dragons are Better stuff? No, I'm only on you because you asked me. <laughs> hey. uh, good, answer. good answer. Yeah, so, so yeah. you know, thanks for asking me. Obviously, I'm not, after you asked me, I was aware that David was on here last week. But, uh, yeah, I think but, he maybe he knew what was coming because I think he chose a time to come on before the the week really started if you get my drift yeah yeah plausible deniability you're considering we did that seven days ago it's been a long seven days there's been a lot of uh a lot of stuff happened but before we get on to all the fun and games that is welsh rugby how how was your weekend watching the scarlet on on friday night how did that feel it was great. I mean, look, in any normal week, uh, you know, doing a podcast with you guys on a Monday, we'd be talking about what was really a very good victory against the Bulls and the fact that Ken Owens is captain in Wales against the number one team in the world on Saturday. That's what we'd be talking about. You know, we're probably going to talk about that for 20 seconds and then move on to <laughs> to, to other matters. But in all seriousness... I really enjoyed the game. Mm. I always thought we were going to win, and that may sound arrogant because clearly the Bulls had chances to win it in the second half. But you can see, you know, a resilience and a and a, a desire to work things out amongst the squad. And this block of games has been very good for us. We've had a tough season, but seven out of eight, and you know, obviously, you know, some of that was Europe or a chunk of that was Europe. A loss, unfortunately, against the Ospreys. Uh, you know, a bit, bit, bit of a cloud over things. <clears throat> Skip over that one. <laughs> uh, and I think, you know, a number of things coming together. You know, defence has been tricky for us over the past couple of seasons. It's taken a while to click this season, but you can start to see that coming together. And I also think, you know, some of the attack as well. Was really happy for the team, the coaches, uh, and, and the staff around the club, you know, because, I mean, the last couple of years have been tough. 
they are. They have been tough. I mean, running rugby clubs over the past couple of years has been really tough. You know, we're 20% headcount down in the non-rugby staff department. Right? And, you know, there are lots of things that, you know, we'd like to be doing better. We've just got no bandwidth. Mm. Um, You know, the, the coaches have, you know, come in, significant changes in the coaching team. Dwayne's our fourth, um, or depending on how you count, you know, maybe fifth new head coach within a relatively short period of time. Uh, it's been really good to see some of the youth come through. You know, so some of the local boys, I think, you know, probably for all rugby clubs, but, you know, maybe a little bit more so than for others, for us, you know, down West, you know, for the Scarlets, that sense of purpose and belonging, you know, is really, really important. Uh, and you can you can see that in the crowd, you know, the local supporters of you know, sets of the boys from the region, from all over the region. Um, so it was great. It was a really good event. Smiles on people's faces. Uh, I'm sure the boys will have a good week off recovering this week. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to, you know, hopefully a good run into the end of the season. And then the opportunity to, you know, hopefully, you know, push on and do something significant in Europe. Mm. So it was really nice to see people smiling again and given the week that we've had in in Welsh rugby to to actually be in a positive situation at the end of it for, for some of us anyway was was really good. So what have you made of of the last week in in Welsh rugby? What's what's it been like from from your point of view, sitting at a slightly higher position than the rest of us, and and knowing probably more than 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 the rest of us? What's what's it been like for you? Yeah, it's been a uh, a frantic week. Uh, you know, the day to day business of running the rugby club in these times is is difficult. Uh, obviously, we're towards the final stages of the new deal we're trying to put in place for pro rugby. And then you've got the events of the past seven days on top of that. Um, And it's been hectic. You take a step back, you know, when these these stories come out. Um, You have to think about what is the right thing to do. You know, our board came together pretty quickly. And the guidance that I was given was just do the right thing. Do what you feel is right through the course of the week. So it's good to know that, you know, that is you know, the cornerstone of really, you know, the direction that I'm given by the rest of the board in terms of how we should represent the club, you know, during during these circumstances. Um, I probably echoing David Buttress's comments last week. I think that the people who spoke out are incredibly brave. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, I know that that's a difficult thing to do. Um, I can't, you know, personally empathize, but I can appreciate it's a difficult thing to do. Uh, and, you know, they did it, it probably in the belief that there could be significant consequences for themselves, their families, their friends for the rest of their lives. Um, so, so the bravery was real. Um, you know, the allegations were, you know, incredibly shocking and, and, and depressing. And then I think as the week went on, you know, I, I personally was very uncomfortable with a lack of attrition, acknowledgement, humility that was displayed. Yeah. I think to be fair to some others in the union towards the end of the week, I think that 
changed. Um, and that's it's really, really important that that, um, you know, that uh, response cha- did change and that the response, you know, not only does the narrative need to change, but actually you know, the genuine sentiment underneath it needs to be there as well. But I think in the world we live in, you know, ultimately the truth will get found out. Mm. Um, so mm. an, an yeah. incredible week, you know, not meaning to personalize it, but, you know, clearly you know, the second most senior executive in Welsh rugby, you know, is no longer in their post. Mm. And if you consider the chairman as ultimately the executive of last resort, um, then the second, you know, most important person, um, you know, is no longer in, in their post. So now the key is to follow up um, correctly. So thoroughly, transparently, genuinely, and to take action. And I think there's a real opportunity as well as a serious responsibility. So a serious responsibility in terms of the response and doing the right thing. And then a real opportunity to use that right thing to take the game forward in Wales for the next 125 years. Mm, Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Jamie, you, you were going to ask uh, a question that kind of follows on with from from what Simon was saying there, really. So, go on, you, you clock on, mate. Yeah, it does follow on from what Simon was just saying. So, um, the WRU have appointed a task force to look into these allegations of sexism, racism and misogyny. But how confident are you, Simon, that the WRU can clean up this act and change this culture? What lessons do you think could be learned from all of this? So, I welcome the task force. You know, I've seen some of the names that are involved in the setting up of the task force. So I I can't give a view of confidence today, but the things that I would expect are the right people are put into the task force. It's got teeth, so proper terms of reference. But what I mean by that is it's just got the power to dig deep and get to the truth of matters. Whatever they do, we all need to know. Yeah, absolutely. Right? absolutely. This, yeah. And I mean, page one through, you know, 999. <laughs> Clearly, if there are some, you know, personal things in there, um, you know, maybe for, you know, some of the, the victims of the allegations that just wouldn't be appropriate to show, I, I completely respect that. Yeah, but I think outside of that, everything needs to be transparent. And the recommendations, I'm assuming there will be recommendations, either need to be followed through or justification for why they're not followed through explained. The tricky thing is, I think all of this needs to be done in short order. And this is potentially a pretty in-depth undertaking. Um, so how that gets juggled or maybe how it gets phased, you know, needs to be needs to be managed. So the key is good people have got to be put into it. Um, it needs to have teeth and there needs to be transparency and action. Yeah. So Lovely, thank you for that. Yeah. So following i mean this is obviously going to have a lot of effect on the wiu and a lot of people changing and round and what have you and the agreement between the wiu and the regions has taken like forever uh, as it stands so 
is this going to now further damage? We had Nigel Walker talk about it on Scrum 5 and you know, David Butcher said that you know things are in place and we're progressing last week. So, But is this going to have an effect on it? Is it, you know, does that one person go in have any effect on 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 the agreement and what's going to happen if somebody now comes in and says, you know, I want to change things, where does that leave us? You know, so what's, what's your understanding of where we are on the agreement and how this will affect it? So we did sign a heads of terms on the agreement a week ago, Friday. I think Nigel referred to it as weeks ago, scrum five yesterday. You know, it was specifically a week ago, Friday. We are, or we were close on the agreement with with a few significant issues still to be resolved. This is now all down to the will of people to, to resolve these issues and to come to an agreement and to attempt to move forward. I do think there's goodwill there. We do talk an awful lot about process and governance and those things are meaningful, but you can't hide behind them. If you get a group of people in a room that want to get something done, you can get things done. And and that that I believe is you know what we now need to do in order to move things forward. It's been widely publicized, you know, the challenges around player contracts and the stresses that causes people. And that applies to coaches, you know, that applies to the staff in the back office of the club, because if you think about a rugby club, a professional rugby club. of the overhead base are the players. Everything else follows suit. When you look at your budget for the year, you start with your playing squad. Then you layer in your coaching squad. Then you layer in your rugby operations. Then you put in your pathway, your academy, your development. Then you put in your non-rugby team. And what's left are really your cost of sale overheads for things like food and beverage, or in our case, the running costs of the stadium and some debt servicing. But you literally go through it in that order. Mm. So it affects how much money we've got left to spend on a box of pencils. Yes. Those contracts underpin everything. Mm. So so we, we've got to get those done as, as soon as we as soon as we possibly can. Mm. Yeah. So, Reese, you you were going to ask a, a question about kind of contracts and development and what have you, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. I think like a, a year on year now, it feels like it's more important than ever, and it has already been relied on uh, bringing through those sort of pathways and those young players and and developing them properly, not just for the regional game but for the national side as well. And do do feel the pathways we have, firstly, are fit for purpose uh, and are bringing through because there are you know, I, I'm a you know big Cardiff fan. You know, I, you know, apologies, um, but um, you know, a lot of good ones <laughs> coming through in my region. You know, and I, I can see the same happening at Scarlets uh, and indeed all our regions. Um, but you feel that um, uh, it, first is, is the pathways fit for purpose in the development of our regions, and second, what could uh, more be done to sort of nurture that uh, uh, to, to further um, lead to more stronger regions, I guess. Yeah, so I mean, I'm not qualified to break it down into detail, um, but what I would say is, I believe we can do more, and it's an area that we need to increase our investment in. So, ironically, even as 
you know, player budgets would have come down and in all likelihood they will. I mean, in the world of rugby as a whole, they're coming down. The one area where we need to almost double down is in that pathway. It's, it's really, really important. And again, you know, back to that sense of purpose, that sense of belonging. Uh, you know, I'm a rugby fan, but I'm not a pathological one-eyed Scarlet. You know, Scarlet is my team. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Leave that to Lee. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's me. <laughs> uh, honestly, you know, my dad was a coal miner up in Canidra. So what I love about the club is this, the uh, sense of aspiration and the belonging. Right? So I love the fact that, you know, boys as it is now and women in the future, you know, can come from humble backgrounds, go out on that field of dreams and project themselves onto the world stage. You know, that, mm. that's what I love. And, you know, I love the Sam Lousies and the Via Fafitas and the Calabafonis. Um, mm. But no disrespect to them. You know, I probably love some of the local boys a bit more. You know, because mm. I, can, I can relate to them. And, you know, I, I think we, we in the game should do a better job of projecting their stories. You know, because they're, they're good stories. We should talk about their communities. Uh, and it's really, really important for us. And just a, a sort of a benchmark too. So if you look at a premiership rugby squad, and the premiership's got its own challenges, right, which are well publicized. Uh, but a premiership team in England will have a squad, let's say, of approximately 36 players, first team players. You know, in Wales, we're carrying squads of approximately 44 at the moment. Now, at the Scarlets, our transition group is about nine players. In the Premiership, they've got an average of about 16. Mm-hmm. Okay. Somebody like Louis Liner, two seasons ago, got pulled up towards the end of the season into the Harlequins' first team and played a couple of blinding games to help Harlequins win the league. You know, we need to build that next layer down. And, and one of the challenges we've had in Wales is, you know, we've gone year to year with our budgets. What we're now trying to do is put in what at the moment is a six-year plan. And when you've got the ability to plan years ahead, you can afford to make investments. When you live in hand-to-mouth, and you typically not agree in your budget numbers for the next season until... You know, under my tenure, it's sort of May, June, or even retrospectively into July. By definition, you're only looking at this season. So you're not able to plan. Yeah. You know, and the transition group is really a three-year sort of prediction. And the academy underneath that, you know, is a four- to six-year prediction for the future. And, you know, we've been guilty of the Scarlets in the past, and quite correctly of filtering people out early on because we didn't want to take the risk. You know, we're talking about a relatively small risk. But we had limited budget to take two or three players in a particular position. But in the long run, that's really good business. So, you know, there are inefficiencies in the way that we've been funded, are funded, and by definition, how we've had to run our businesses. So, you know, whatever's ahead, and there are some challenges, challenges in the game of rugby as a whole, you know, I am looking forward to us becoming more strategic and being able to plan further into the future. And I think, 
you, you know, you guys and, you know, the, the fan base that you represent, you know, you're really important in terms of, um, you know, helping us with that story. Yeah, because, you know, we're going to have to go into our communities. We're going to have to look into the future. You know, some big names are going to leave the game as they've already started to, or at least our game. Um, so it is about, you know, building a story around what do we stand for? You know, where do these players come from? You know, what are we doing for our communities? And how are we going to grow and invest and develop in those people over time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So, with that in mind, then, so a lot of the, the questions that come from Scarlet supporters at the minute is is kind of who are we losing? I mean, a couple of boys have announced they're leaving uh, Cardiff, Newport are going through it. Um, you know, Ospreys and, and ourselves are pretty much not heard anything of, of anybody. So how concerned are you that we're going to, you know, are we having a fire sale at the end of the season sort of a thing? Um, I, I mean, maybe we've had one or two rumours, uh, although I think you are, you are right. Maybe not, not as met, you know, many as some other regions um, so far. Um, I mean, the, the raw math is if we have, you know, 44 players, something like 24, 25, 26 are in con- pre-contracted through next year already, leaving us with roughly 20 that are out of contract this season. So there are, you know, 20 players that are out of contract at the end of this season. In a normal cycle, a squad changes materially over a three-year period. Uh, we will experience change this summer. Um, you know, will it be classified as a mass exodus? You know, maybe by some people. The reality is, it probably won't be. You know, the rugby market is changing. You know, certainly here in England, you know, the market is deflating. Uh, and really, we've all got to come up with a model where we've got sustainable businesses. And, you know, personally, I think, you know, there are some exceptions, but being able to give a player a three-year contract that you can look them in the eye and guarantee they're going to get paid for every month of the next 36 months. And that the club is, you know, going to be in a predictably healthy financial state and will look after them well in terms of infrastructure, nutrition, coaching, personal development, etc., you know, those things that I think are meaningful to people. You got outliers. We often talk in the press about players that are getting paid half a million pound plus, which in anyone's terms is a lot of money in the game of rugby mm-hmm. in particular. Yeah. The reality is, you know, there's less than 20 players in the world that are getting paid those sums of money mm. across all countries. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you're talking about, like, you've got, those contracts that have gone out to the players within the squad already, which you know, which is fantastic. And how does that restrict you now come the end of the season when you're looking forward to next season and possibly making new signings? I mean, is there a limit or is it that's the hammer on the head? No, we're looking after the boys we've got now. We're going to roll with this. I mean, w- what's your view there? Yeah. So to, to be clear, that those were contracts that were done last year that, you know, multi-year contracts. So 
players that are contracted through next season. Indeed, in a couple of cases, maybe through the season following. Um, it, you know, you are right, though. You are limited because they're on fixed-term contracts. You know, rugby doesn't really have a transfer market. So if you've contracted somebody, then typically they are they are staying with you on the price you've agreed for the duration of that contract. So then, you know, I think the point you know, you're inquiring about is, you know, then the the only way the only element of your squad you can change is the uncontracted piece. Yeah. So for yeah. us, you know, out of about if I use rough figures, 45, 25 pre-contracted, 20 contracts, we could throw up in the air, contract some, you know, try and bring some new players in for certain positions. Okay, thank you. You're not having any, Carwin. Carwin, you're not having any, yeah? So forget the whole... <laughs> <laughs> You've had listen, Jack listen, Morgan. You've had enough over the past couple of years. <laughs> we, we, Jack Morgan will do us nicely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I just wanted to add, uh, we had a lot of questions, Simon, from Scarlet supporters. We put the tweet out. They're really worried about uh, Califamoni leaving the club. You know, he's been a brilliant player for you since he arrived from Leicester. And I don't know if you can comment on this. I know it's difficult, but how confident are you of keeping him? You know, could, what can you say to the Scarlet supporters who are worried about losing him? Is there a chance of you resigning him, or is he going to be on his way as per some rumours online? Yeah, I mean, look, it, so honestly, because there's such sensitivity about contracts right now, I'd rather not talk about an individual. Just okay. because, enough, yeah. you know, there are players quite understandably that are very stressed about this. Mm. Um, uh, what I would say is he's been a hell of a player. Oh, he's been brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Superb. Uh, I, 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 every time I see him play, I just, when is he going to be inconsistent? He's a proper unit, isn't he? He's a proper unit, uh, and he's a really nice guy. Um, and he's, yeah. you know, he loves the club, and it's, you know, it, it's amazing. The Islanders, you know, I, I try and sit behind the boys during the game behind the bench so I can get a bit more of a feel for the vibe and how they go in, and um, mm. you know, it's a really good barometer for how the game's going. Yeah, uh, and you know, the the Islanders, their families sit next to the bench. And mm. and those boys that like I mean you know I think in the Scarlets all the players hang around and mingle with the crowd but honestly the Islanders are the last guys out of the stadium just signing autographs you know the kids love them um, as I was walking up from my seat into the lounge you know there was a dad with two boys and he said oh boys look those are the superstars oh, fantastic uh, yeah, so, yeah. so you need those guys and you know the rest yeah. of the squad loves having them around. Um, yeah, he's yeah. a big fan favourite this new Simon down there you know I think fans would be disappointed if uh, he left unfortunately so uh, fingers yeah. crossed yeah I mean big juggling act you know this year mm. and I you know also from a player perspective you know particularly some of the boys that are getting a bit older you know you, you've got to respect if they make a decision you know which is more yeah. maybe family oriented Mm-hmm. You know, in in terms of maybe if they've only got you know one or two seasons left in them, you, you know they can't yeah. ignore you know paydays or maybe opportunities to give their families you know one final life experience before they go home. Um, yeah, I mean you, you know what will be will be, and there will be mm-hmm. some disappointments this year. Um, you know, but also you know there'll be 
you know, you know, I think it's a really good talent coming up and yeah, um, you know, we're we're building a squad, you know, we've had a tough couple of seasons, but one of the positives about it has been, you know, some of those young players that we blooded who, you know, if you look at Friday night, you're now starting to see hit their straps. You know, they've become different physical specimens. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, you know, mentally and emotionally, you know, they become um, you know, they it's be, it's been amazing to see them develop. Well, Dan Davis is absolutely on fire oh. at the minute, isn't he? He's, uh, it's just, it's a shame it's in the middle of you know a golden period for open side flankers, but yeah, he's he's having a hell of a couple of weeks, isn't he? As yeah. a as a as a former fat boy myself, I was impressed with um, Matthias, uh, the, prop, <laughs> the only prop, um, and I thought he fitted well to uh, a massive Bulls front five, like in it. Yeah. Massive, massive front five. Huge. <laughs> massive. And, you know, Kemsley and some of the other props, these are still young, young men. Yeah. You mm. were saying that like about Reese Henry last weekend. He looks about 40, but he's only 24. <laughs> you know, he... <laughs> you're just angry because you look 60 and you're 30. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's from knowing you too long, boy. <laughs> So, can I just ask a question, Sam? About the um, obviously, there's been a lot about the 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 women's game um in in the press over the last week, and and not really seen much about Scarlet's ladies so far this year. Is is the team running this year, or where where are we? I've seen the under 18s are playing, yeah, uh, yeah. under 18s girls, um, but nothing about the the ladies. Oh, I mean, look, the, the women's game as a whole, I genuinely feel is a massive opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. You know, going, I, so I, I, you know, I live in London, so I'm, I'm actually sat in Richmond right now. You know, my local rugby team is is Harlequins. Um, and, you know, they, they do a really good job with their women's team. When they schedule the fixtures, you know, they do double headers. When they do the big game, it's sort of the curtain raiser. It's a really good standard of rugby. And I think, you know, when they do the double headers or the curtain raisers, I think it changes the dynamic of the crowd, the makeup of the crowd, and, you know, changes the day out, uh, which I like. You know, I've still got three young kids. Um, you know, my wife would typically come with me, you know, to a rugby game over there. You know, you're still going to have a couple of beers, but I know it's a bit more spaced out, a bit more, you know, respectful. Uh, you know that you're there for a a big day, and it's you know it just feels more relaxed and more fun. I, I really enjoy those days out. I mean, I think back to the 2015 Rugby World Cup with just fond memories on many fronts. But you know, for me, that was the first time I'd been to a rugby game where a significant proportion of the crowd was either female or or family, and I really enjoyed it. And until I, you know, gone to the World Cup to a couple of games, I hadn't it hadn't really clocked to me how, you know, male um, other games were. Now, now I think the whole game has moved on since then. Uh, but a surefire way to change that is, you know, to develop and advance the women's game. I think in Wales as a whole, um, you know, we need to come up with a solution. You look at, you know, up until recently, Worcester. And Bristol, their squads are riddled with Welsh players. 
Yeah. Uh, and we need to find a way to give them a performance environment in Wales that can satisfy them. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, yeah there's lots of opportunity. It's undoubtedly an area that, you know, we need to upgrade. And we we personally would very much like to integrate into the whole club. Yeah, I think I bring in, bring in a whole new level of level of fans as well. You know, not just for the women's game, but for for, for the men's as well. Yeah, I think it will work both ways. Um, it's I think it's really pos- game, positive going forward. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You look at women's football. You know, it's been really strong over the past number of years, and success in the women's football game. You know, brings fans into the men's game. You know, as you said, and and vice versa. So it all plays off each other. And you know, society's fifty-fifty. So, um, you know, why would you not want to make a concerted effort to attract fifty percent of the population? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, am I going to move on to the Six Nations, Shirley? Because I'm, I'm really itching to get into the Six Nations. I was going to share with you the last time I took my wife to to watch a, a game, which was a Scarlets game, and. Um, you think explaining the offside rule in football is difficult? Try try explaining <laughs> the offside rule to your wife in in rugby and why someone is offside and isn't offside, and the difference between offside in a line out and in a scrum and in a kick and all of this kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, it was it, it it was a difficult hour for me with her. At the end, she got it, but oh, it was it was a hard slog. But she's coming back. Hopefully, I can get her up to see the um, the uh, European uh, fixture. Anyway, so yeah, go on then, Carl. Go on, go on, because you're, you're you're dying to talk about the Wales setup. Go on. I am. It's it's very, it's very important. I was down, I was doing my <laughs> sneaky uh, sneaky squirrel bit today down the down the Vale there, as I happen to be in the area. Um, but no, okay. it's, obviously, it's great to have um, <laughs> Ken Owens here as captain of Wales. But uh, what, what's your thoughts on the, on the Wales squad that's been selected? Um, and who do you think they'll select in the key areas of centre, uh, back row, obviously, to, to name the two there? And have you got buttress tickets yet? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, again, I, I'm not sidestepping the question, but as, as I explained earlier, I'm not a massive pathological rugby fan. Now, let, let me explain that. I love the game. I love watching the game. But I... You know, I have not debated in arm wrestles with people over the past couple of months about the back row for Wales. I, I, I think <laughs> what's great is we're in a position where we've got choices. Yeah, and, and I yeah, think those choices are down to game plan. And, you know, the, the other thing is, having been involved in the club for the past couple of years, you know, you get to know the stuff, you know, you don't publicise. But the little knocks, the little niggles, the underlying injuries, you know, maybe even sometimes the issues that are going on at home. And and these things do factor into selection. You know, if somebody's just fatigued, right? You know, we talked about Dan Davis, who had a phenomenal game on Friday. Phenomenal game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he drained his tank, right? Yeah. He apps, you know, playing so physically against such a physical team you know he was never going to make 80 and that's not because he's not fit because he's fit and it's not because yeah. he's not strong because he's strong so those things come into selection quite a bit <clears throat> um very happy for ken 
Yeah, good yeah. moment for the club. That's Simon is the Wales captain. Good moment for Ken and for the Scarlets. Yeah. And having seen what he's put himself through and what he's come back from over the past 12 months. Yeah. You know, he's had some dark moments. He's talked about this. I'm not talking out of school. And he's had to work really hard. And, you know, he's had some questions as to whether this was going to come together. And then he comes back into the club. And, you know, for the past, what, two months, he's almost been, you know, top performing hooker in Europe, you could maybe argue. It's like he hasn't been away, really, isn't it? It's unbelievable. You know? Yeah. And he's jumping out of his skin. <clears throat> you know, he's, he's great around the environment. And, um, you know, he's obviously he's got a child on the way, you know, in the middle of the Six Nations. You know, and I know he's very strong on family and he's got, you know, good family yeah. set up. So I know he'll, um, you know, be able to enjoy that as well. Um, but yeah, really, really happy for him. Um, you know, not a long list of Scarlets in the squad, obviously, um, you know, compared to, you know, what we've seen in recent seasons, um, you know, clearly a good number of Scarlets in the under 20 squad. Um, and, and these things are a bit cyclical. But, um, yeah, I'm actually looking forward to the Six Nations. Massive, massive game out of the gate on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and we'll all know after that, you know, what trajectory we're on. What's your prediction from the Saturday? <laughs> Rugby's a dangerous Live. topic for me to have a view on, but I, I, think, I think Wales stand a good chance. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> See, the bit I'm looking forward to is watching Ken sing the anthem because, you know, you can get a feel for how that game was going to go from the from the anthem and seeing how he normally sings that anthem and then you put in everything else that's going on and then you make him captain, you know, there's going to be people outside the ground that are going, OK, Ken's singing, I can hear Ken, you know, he's going to absolutely belt it out because... The guy's got a lot of pride. He's got a lot of, you know, I've, I've met him a couple of times and he seems massive on the telly. And then you stand next to him and he's he's quite short, like, you know, and, and, and all that kind of oh, stuff. He's, and you think, he's, a, but, he's a lump, though. Yeah, he's got a heart on him that's kind of, you know, he's just everything about him just screams passion, doesn't it? Yeah. And full, full of oil. Of, full of oil. Yeah, and hell of an engine, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. You know, I mean, he's... You know, he's an 80-minute player at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Which is not great if you... Because normally, you, you, at 60 minutes, a hooker will come off and the next one will come on. So if you're sitting on the bench and you're going like, well, you know, this is great. I'm going to I'm gonna get it on for the last 20. And then i got Ken Owens and, and 79 minutes and you're looking at your watch going... Yeah, maybe uh, maybe not today, like, you know. It's... Maybe sit this one out. Yeah, I'll let him have that one. So, just, so we had loads of questions that, that came in off, off Twitter, Simon, and we, um, we haven't got time to go through them all and, and all of that kind of stuff. But I, I, I guess the overarching thing is, is where does Welsh rugby go now? Not just at WIU. Not just the, the the regions, but everybody as a whole. It's become quite kind of split and disjointed, and what have you over the last however many years. Yep. So, where do we go from here? Who who takes us forward? How do we go forward, and where do we go? It's um, always been a bit of an enigma to me that the game is so uh, divisive, or the different aspects of the game. I mean, if I look at it simply, you've got the national game 
you've got the pro game, you've got the community game. Now, you know, rugby is a participation-based sport. So anyone who's involved in rugby has tasted it, played it, got a close family member who's involved in it. You know, it doesn't really attract the casual sports fan. So, no. you know, by definition, the whole game is underpinned by the community. Um, you know, I think there should be a clear path from the community through into the pro game. And I think, you know, the premiership is, is really important there. You know, living in England, and there are challenges here in England at the moment that are well publicised. But, you know, the championship games I can go and see at um, Richmond, you know, those are great games. Those are good days out. Yeah. Uh, and that does provide a meaningful layer <clears throat> of competition and also connectivity to the premiership. Not every premiership club, you know, has got that figured out, but certainly around mm-hmm. here that works. That works well. Uh, clearly, you know, the aspiration is the national team. You know, that gives us national pride, uh, massive days out, um, you know, some tremendous overseas trips. And then ultimately, you know, hopefully some of those boys and you know, women in the future will then go on to represent the Lions and, you know, almost give us global recognition. Um, and then you've got the pro clubs in the middle. Now, you know, for me, you know, when I go to the Scarlets, you know, that to me is a very different product than when I go to the Principality. Yeah. You know, you're right on top of the action. It's incredibly intimate. You've got, you know, players from your community. You know, it's probably more of a family experience you know you bump into people from your community uh, and, and I, you know I like that product you know to yeah. me it's really appealing you know I enjoy it I find it very comfortable you know I tend to find myself you know just hanging around for a couple of hours I really really enjoy it and you know all aspects of the game those three cornerstones you know need to work together because they all feed off each other. Uh, in order to make it work, I think, yeah, we need strong leadership. Yeah. And non- yeah. non-divisive yeah. leadership. Absolutely. Uh, you know, yeah. that looks into the future, but also deals with the here and now. And, and yeah. it gives us all some oxygen back, you know, in order to get on with the running of our, of our, businesses our clubs uh you know we talked about the deal earlier you know that process you know actually kicked off in april 2021 uh we've been in meetings intense meetings on a multi-time a week basis since december 2021 you know i've never been involved in a business where the value of time is so disregarded yes yeah and when you see Sorry. Sorry. So, please go. And when you take time, you t- you take away the opportunity to make more money. You, you take away the opportunity to gain enjoyment, and you also you know take some good people away from the game. You know, you look at people like Andrew Williams. You look at people like Amanda Blanc. Mm. You, you know, not many other businesses, if any at all, would not embrace those people and not pick up on the utility. So these things need to be fixed. Uh, there, there cannot be any S and them. You know, yep. This has got to be worked on together. 
uh, I think you know the the game has got some excuse me challenges as a whole. You know the, the concussion issue. Um, I think that the challenges of the game versus other opportunities or options in society. Um, I think you know the TV presentation of the game could be better. I think the experience of the game, you know, in the stadium could be better. You know, having lived in the states for ten years and gone to NFL games. You know, Lee, you did yeah. a good job of explaining to your wife in an hour the offside rules. Yeah. You know, in the NFL, you don't need to know it. They tell you what it is, what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. do. Yeah. Right. So if they actually make the complexity of the game an attraction, uh, I think we need to become more accessible. Uh, you know, one of the reasons I was more than happy to come on to the show today. And, you know, thanks again for the invite. Again, having lived in the States, you know, old school, but you scan through the radio stations on a Monday night. And it's listed with talk shows about, you know, the weekend's NFL games. Mm-hmm. It, you know, the, the sport stays in the shop window all through the week. Um, you get highly personalized stories. You know, my wife's from Detroit. If you've seen you know, their performance this season, it's been a real turnaround for Detroit Lions. Yeah, very good, fair play. Yeah. And Aiden Hutchinson, who, you know, that they've signed into the squad this year, number two draft pick overall. You know, there's a video of him. You know, gone viral for performing his initiation ceremony mm. uh, for the rest of the squad. You know, th- those types of things, you, you know, we maybe don't do so well in rugby, right? But they're, they're yeah. important. Um, you look at what um, uh, Netflix have done with Formula One. You know, somebody try and tell me that Formula One is a more engaging, more entertaining sport than rugby. It has bigger <laughs> characters. We all know it. Oh, in the case, right? Yeah. Um, but at the moment, that's how it would come across. Mm-hmm. So I think there's lots of things to work on there. Um, you know, there's the global season. You know, Europe has lost its way. You know, needs to be reimagined. You know, rebirthed. I mean, it was, uh, you know, almost the highlight of my life. You know, going back, what was it? You know, twenty odd years ago. Um, so that there's, you know, some work to be done there to, to bring that back. And then, you know, there are some other things that are being talked about, uh, like the World Club Cup competition, um, the Nations Cup. You know, there are big things coming in the game that will help transform the game. We need the leadership and the decision-making, i.e., you know, devolved decision-making. You know, you've got different boards they need to have powers so they can you know get on push with. it yeah they, they can you know they can get on with what they need to get on with there's not much point in having a board if everything then needs to get approved by another board you know you just mm. agree this board does this these two boards do this and you get on with it yeah um so yeah it, it starts with leadership um and the ability of those leaders to make decisions you know within frameworks to be held accountable um, and we need to be more respectful of time and uh, and get on with things. And, you know, we need to do the best job we can of looking after the game we have and, and growing it as well. Because if you're not growing, you're you're not standing still. You're actually dying. That's just to say is like um, there's, there's an old-fashioned belief system, isn't there, that um, um, 
like Wales will always attract like a full stadium and the game is a national sport so it will always be popular sort of thing. There seems to be a very frustrating view that, you know, even though the FAW and, and so forth, you know, you mentioned earlier about the, the women's football game and uh, uh, stealing marches, um, that the, the leaders that we have in place at the moment are just sat back going, well, Wales loves rugby, so that will always be the case. And when, you know, lots of other sports are sort of uh, incrementally um, gaining ground. Yeah, I mean, there are challenges with people's focus. Um, You know, if I look at my kids, so, yeah, rugby's maybe third or fourth on their list of interests. And Mm. they love coming. But, you know, they won't come to the, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14 home games, you know, that I'll go to. You know, they love coming to big occasions. So they want to come maybe three, four times a year and have great days out. We're all focused around rugby, right? I'm not a big believer in let's turn the stadium into a circus. You know, I think certainly for us as a club, you know, what we do starts and ends with what happens on the pitch. Right. You know, we need good food, hospitality, a warm welcome, you know, good facilities, you know, all of those types of things. I don't think we need gimmicks. You know, rugby is our product. Now, you know, that could change in time if we ever get to that world of, you know, of, of attracting casual fans. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, people are looking for more occasions now rather yeah. than, you know, our season ticket holders yeah. are incredibly important to us as a business and incredibly important to our teams and to the atmosphere in the stadium. But over and above those season ticket holders, you've got people who are seeking occasions. Yeah. So I'm not sure what, what it's like down at the Scarlets as a region when it comes to promoting the game on a week-by-week basis, albeit the Heineken Cup or the league. So I, I have recently moved home uh, from Ireland. I'm living in Dublin. And every week, the Leinster game, there's flags up from all the way through South Dublin on every lamppost. It's on every bus and they're promoting that team. And they've got a near full house every week. I mean, what, what more can we do to bring those sort of crowds to our regional stadiums? Yeah, I mean, you know, Leinster have done an amazing job. You know, I mean, you know, back in the day... Um, you know, Lee, you may remember this because my reference point is obviously Scarlet, but you know, fifteen hundred people in the crowd on a Friday night, pissing down with rain. Yeah. Um, you know, they've been able to turn that around in fifteen years. Uh, clearly, they're blessed with the population base they have, and also the success that they've had, yeah. and the wealth. You know, on a per capita basis, I you know the. I believe this is right. I mean, this data may be a couple of years old, but the average household income in the postcode where the Parker Scarlet's is, is the average household income is less than £20,000 a year. Mm. So, you know, people at that level of earning, they they have zero discretionary income. They're struggling to feed themselves. Yeah. Um, So we do things, um, we're limited on resources and people, and those are all excuses. Um, you know, I think we've I- increased what we do digitally. Um, you know, we struggle a little bit in that our core fan base is probably not as digitally switched on as others. 
yeah, but that that will evolve over time. Um, and it, this is a topic we talk about at the league level. Yeah, uh, because you know we, if we if we collaborate, and there actually is an initiative called Collabs that CVC is willing to you know support from an investment perspective as well. Um, there there are smart things that we can do better if we work together. And and within the game, if we all just collaborated, we, you know we'd get a lot better. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know that would be a massive step forward. Mm. Like they you say, know, teamwork makes the dream work, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I talked about efficiencies in the squad. Um, you know, if there was, you know, trust and, um, uh, you know, a belief and transparency, you know, and a belief that we could collaborate further, I, I think, you know, there's a number of opportunities for, for us to work on it. And we've talked about them. Um, and they are things that we do want to get on and work uh, work through. You know, getting this deal done and having a multi-year structure in place so that we can then step back and get on with the day-to-day business, um, you know, is, is critical at this point. Yeah. So, so like I said, we, we, we've had 101 questions in, but we can't keep you all night. So one final question for you um, for tonight then. If there was one person to come in to replace Steve Phillips who in an ideal world, you know, pick anyone, obviously not Elvis, but, you know, if you could pick anyone. And not Donald Trump. <laughs> Cheers, Carl. Uh, who, who, would you, who would you pick to come in? So I can give you two answers. <clears throat> uh, so one, I don't think it's one person. It's more. Okay, yeah. And I think as I referenced earlier, uh, the executive need to be empowered to make decisions and to execute those decisions in a timely fashion. You know, they need to be held accountable, massively held accountable. Yeah. And then secondly, if I was to pick one person just to throw it all up in the air, and this is a ridiculous answer, but hopefully it makes the point, you know, you'd bring somebody like an Elon Musk in. Simon, on that note, uh, I thank you very much for your time. I appreciate you. You're a very busy yeah. person and uh, we're very grateful for your time this evening. It's Thanks. been a, a pleasure chatting to you. And hopefully we can do it again in the in the future at some point. Yeah, so, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. I appreciate your time and thanks for everything you do. This is a really important part of the game. And um, yeah, thank you for your time. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Have thank you. Evening. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's show. We hope you enjoyed it enough to come back next week and listen again. So please do subscribe, rate, and review the pod as it really helps us on most of the platforms that we appear on. You can keep the conversation going on Twitter and Facebook by searching for us on RAP, W-R-R-A-P, or you can email us on Welsh Regional Rugby Pod at Gmail. We'll be back next week to do some more of the same. We hope you'll come and enjoy us. And in the meantime, enjoy your rugby. Sports Social Podcast Network.